Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Severance, season one, episode two, Half Loop is the episode I will be diving into in-depth spoiling. So if you don't want to be spoiled on the episode, I wouldn't recommend listening to this podcast, to this episode, until you go watch the Apple TV original movie show uh, Severance, uh, the Apple TV Plus original Severance, uh, a great show. And uh, I will be breaking down and recapping each episode so with that said, with that warning said, uh, let's get into this episode, uh, which starts off showing us a little bit of scenes from moments from the first episode, but from a different perspective. This one, we're seeing moments from the perspective of Heli uh, prior to going into the severance thing, uh, specifically this episode starts off with Heli recording the video that she watches in the first episode, recording the video where she's telling herself in the future that she is knowingly and willingly doing this severance thing, explaining what severance is, how it separates your brain. So you become basically two different people, the person that lives inside severance, inside of Lumen, and the person that exists outside of severance. Uh, she is uh, escorted by Milchik. Milchik is uh, recording the video. They're walking for her to go get the procedure j done. And on the walk to go get the procedure done, we find out one little mystery is answered, specifically the mystery of uh, from the input survey, question number four. What is Mr. Egan's favorite breakfast is mentioned kind of just in passing while Milchik is watching with walking with Heli to go get the procedure done. He, he mentions to her uh, after they stop and look at the giant portrait of Egan. I assume it's Egan that is hanging from Egan seems to be the almighty type of uh, like leader of Lumen uh, kind of a cultish kind of a vibe to the whole thing as we will see in this show in this episode so they look and they kind of take a moment to really take in that's that picture Milchik mentions how how amazing it looks and as they're walking to go get the procedure he mentions kind of just passe like oh did you know that Mr. Egan's favorite breakfast was three raw eggs and milk, which is crazy. Probably not true. Her response to that is that she's heard people tell that to her multiple times. It's not the first time she heard that. She knew that that was his favorite breakfast. I think it's designed specifically for the test, for the input survey. Uh, because it is a very crazy thing, something that's very memorable. When you hear somebody's favorite breakfast is three raw eggs and milk. Like if you heard that was Elon Musk's favorite breakfast and you're going in to get the an implant where you're, you're going to have your memories separated, uh, it makes for a great like test for short-term memory to be asked right after the, the uh, whole process of, of having your memories severed 
uh, to have that question asked to see if you have any short-term memories. Because, I mean, that, that input survey, survey in a lot of ways serves as a test to make sure that the procedure worked. It seems like, you know, not knowing your name, not knowing where you were born, not knowing short-term stuff like Egan's favorite breakfast or the color of your mother's eyes, but at least still knowing a state, like still having some knowledge left over to where you're not just being reborn into this department like a completely blank slate, like you're still left with a lot of the kind of uh, basic functionality and knowledge stuff. Uh, so interesting that we found that out. And also just kind of highlighting how those questions are more specific to making sure that the procedure works. So she goes, she's getting the procedure done, which is a surgery. We see her scalp getting cut open. We see a drill being drilled into her skull. Uh, we see that uh, the instruments that are being used are all Lumen branded instruments. You see the device that's going to be implanted into her brain comes out of a Lumen branded packaging. Looks like a little pill that gets put in. We see it get put into her brain, deep into her brain. And then these little film, the fins, these barbs kind of shoot out, which make it seem like it's not intended to ever be removed. Adding barbs to things is, the intention of that is to keep things where they are. There's reasons why fish hooks have barbs, to make sure that the fish doesn't fall easily off the hook. Uh, similarly to like the, the needles on uh, certain animals, when they go into you, they don't come back out. It's very difficult to come back out. Cactus, things like that. Uh, so these fins pop out as soon as it's, it's being implanted into her head. Uh, Milchik is there while the procedure is done. You see him snapping pictures with his camera, which we see him taking pictures throughout this episode. Uh, and as soon as the procedure is done, she starts to doze off. And as we know from the first episode, uh, that she doesn't like being there, and she tries to leave multiple times. So as this episode is from the Audi's perspective, which the terms of Audi and Innie are introduced in this episode, as her Audi wakes up, it is not after work, which it is supposed to be after work. It is her trying to leave in the stairwell. And we see it from, we see that scene from the Audi's perspective in this episode, where Milchek is at the other end of the door, right? Mark, on the inside from last episode, he's not even allowed to look around the corner to see, probably to make sure that he doesn't see Milchik on the other side of the door. Uh, but Milchik is there when she wakes up. And he's like super positive. He's like, oh, this is the place where we bring people who are having trouble adjusting. We bring them to the stairwell where, you know, it helps them kind of calm down and, and readjust. And, you know, you can just go right back in there. And she goes in back and forth like we saw in the last episode. Her reactions to things is that her Audi is aware. She's very instantaneously knows that she doesn't want to be in there, that her Innie is not happy in there. So it's like even though her Innie is clearly doesn't want to be there and she thinks that her Audi is just not aware of it, her Audi knows. Her Audi knows. So that very interesting that her Audi knows and is still fine with putting herself, putting part of herself inside of this 
this work environment. And Milchik says something very interesting also. He says that uh, it's a miracle that you're here and that what you're doing is amazing. Right? Something that he probably wouldn't say if Mark, when Mark had first gotten severed and he was trying to leave, if he ever did try to leave. Uh, I can't see Milchik. I mean, I would imagine he would still be positive, but the, the fact that he says it's a miracle that you're here and that it's amazing what she's doing is kind of interesting. So she goes in finally, and the next time she wakes up is after work uh, as she's coming back up the elevator. So we start the episode with that, with Helly. Cut to the next work day. Uh, Mark coming into work. He's the new head of the department, so he's the first one there flipping on the lights. He has a checklist of things that he needs to do, which most of the duties for him are mainly janitorial. Sweeping the floor, filling the soap dispensers, dusting the things, cleaning off the desk, make sure the key keys on the keyboard works. But one specific thing that you only really notice if you pause the show, which I paused the show, uh, to, to, to get a closer look at this checklist that he has to do, is that he has to go to the portrait of Mr. Egan and pay his respects or acknowledge it in some way, whether it be verbal or nonverbal. Very interesting. Another kind of example of the, the, the cultish feeling, which we saw, which maybe that's why Milchik did the same thing when he was walking with Ellie to go get the procedure done, where he acknowledged the giant portrait of Egan which we don't actually see Mark do that aspect of it, but we see him doing, it's a montage of Mark doing all the janitorial stuff. Uh, he sees, as he's cleaning off the desks and, and doing that, he sees the group photos that are on everybody's desk, the four group photos that uh, still include Petey, who is no longer there. Obviously, we know Mark was best friends with Petey, uh, and he takes the pictures off of the desks and goes into a storage room and is clearly hiding them. Like it's, he's, he's, everything is so like specific. Everything's very clean cut corporate type of a thing. When he goes into the, the storage room with these pictures, he puts four of them like on the top shelf in the very back. And then he puts another one just still top shelf, but over to the right, like clearly hiding these in a way that even if they are discovered, like there might still be one that stays hidden. So he's hiding these photos for whatever reason. Just he, he probably wants to hold on to that memory of his best friend that's no longer around that never said goodbye, you know, just disappeared. Uh, so he hides the pictures. Helly comes in and she's confused because when you're severed, the moment you clock out and go in the elevator, the next moment you are conscious is when you're going back to work. And so you have no memory of going home. You have no memory of going to sleep. The reality of being severed is that you are forever awake at work. Forever awake at work. And there is a, a line from the first episode that uh, Cobell says where, you know, hell is 
something that is, is you know, an imaginary thing that uh, that humans made, but humans are good at bringing those imaginary things to life. And for anybody that's ever had a job, to consider the possibility that your entire existence would be awake at work, never get the break of going home, never getting the feeling of sleeping. Although Mark tells her that, you know, it's like try and focus on what it feels like to be refreshed, try and the effects of sleep. Like you may not be aware that you are sleeping on the outside, but try to focus on what the effects of sleep. And he also lets her know that it's been a weekend. So it's not even that it's been a day. A whole weekend has passed and nothing has changed. For Heli and for everybody else that works in, se in the severance uh, department, in the data uh, collection or data refinement department, uh, they're just there still. Which is, to think of that is hell on earth. Especially if it's this type of a job, a corporate job where you don't even know what you're doing. You're looking at an old-timey computer screen with jiggly numbers on it, and you're supposed to get an emotional response. So you never sleep, you never leave, nonstop. Uh, they leave, that's, that's a little conversation they have in the storage area. They go out to the desks. You see uh, Dylan is there, Irving is there. Dylan's talking about the incentives that are, that are part of Lumen. Pull those up. It's, uh, so depending on how good your work is, how much work you've done, I should say, there's a five-tier incentive program. If you get 10% of your work done, you get an eraser, which erasers are mostly decorative because there are no pencils. Uh, if you get 25% of your work done, you get finger traps, which are fun when used safely. Uh, if you get 75% of your work done, of your job completed, you get a music slash dance experience. And if you get everything done, 100% within uh, the quarter, one employee, if they're able to get 100%, uh, will be named uh, refiner of the quarter and given the waffle party, which we already know from last episode. Dylan is stoked about the waffle party when he's telling her about his incentives. Uh, eventually in this episode, we see his collection of incentives. He's got a mug full of finger traps. He's got a drawer full of caricatures. Um, oh, 100% is the caricature. He's got a ton of caricature. Like a drawer opens up and he's got a bunch of these caricatures of himself. Uh, and every quarter, one person gets named uh, refiner of the quarter. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Now you can wear the many faces. Original art by Ray Taylor. Select pieces from the ongoing series of abstract ink paintings. All products made with high quality materials made right here in the USA. Go to inspireddisorder.com slash tmfmerch to browse the entire collection and save yourself an extra 10% when you check out by using coupon code RTSTMF. So once again, go to inspireddisorder.com slash tmfmerch and save 10% when you use coupon code RTSTMF. And now, back to our show. So he's going on about the incentives. Mark is hooking up her computer. 
uh, getting that set up when the computer boots up. I noticed another time I paused uh, that the computer, like the, the kind of DOS screen shows that there is a video output and a audio output that are live. So another form of surveillance that's going on. Clearly we've seen the surveillance cameras, Mark, looking at the surveillance cameras in previous episodes. Like there is, they are at all times being monitored in this place and their computers are part of that monitoring system. Uh, according to the little boot record as it's booting up. Which is interesting. Small detail. Obviously, going in depth of these episodes, I want to try and see all of the details. Put all the pieces together. So Mark's doing his training, trying to teach Heli this wackadoo job that they have of trying to... Which none of them know what their job is. They have theories... Uh, but trying to articulate what it is that these numbers that are jiggling on your screen are supposed to elicit uh, an emotional response. And based on that emotional response, if you feel scared, then you're supposed to get rid of those numbers and, uh, and fill these buckets, these five buckets. And as you do that, you get these ridiculous incentives. Uh, so Mark's trying to do that. She's... Heli is asking if she's stuck there. Obviously, she, she's, as she's learning her new reality in Severed, that there is no sleep, there is no outside. This is going to be, this version of herself is going to be up and running constantly. So she asks if she's stuck there. She's like, can you request? And like, you know, they say, you can request, but most requests are denied. Uh, so there's no communication with your Audi. You can't write notes. They have detectors in, in the stairwell. They have detectors in the elevator where if you try, were try to pass a note to your outside self, they detect that and they restrict that ability. And Mark says that like if you were to quit, then it's like you're killing yourself. Like, the person that exists within Severance will no longer exist. And that part of yourself will no longer exist. So, in a way, you're killing yourself. And for Mark, he just experienced a loss. For him, for his any, his best friend, Petey, just disappeared. He doesn't know what happened to him. So, for Mark, it is a bit more of an emotional situation um milchick comes in because heli is the new hire they're having a party quote unquote party and during this party they have a little ball game where they hold the ball they tell the group about themselves and then they pass the ball and it's kind of a you know a corporate way uh to get to know each other um and of course, Heli doesn't know anything about herself. Like, she doesn't know any, everything's been erased. Everything she knows, she's been told. Like, even her name. In theory, her name could be different on the outside. With the input survey, she didn't know her name. She was given her name, Heli. So we assume that's her name. Uh, we see that Mark is his name inside and out. So. It's assumed that they are given their actual name. 
but she doesn't know anything. So Milchik takes the ball from her and then runs down like a list of attributes about Heli that is, you know, not the most flattering type of a thing that she's like 30 years old. She's got bad enamel. She's allergic to almonds. Uh, you know, she's got shoulder length hair that's this color. So kind of just does really basic description about Heli, which is not it's not very fulfilling. Uh, so then the ball is passed to Irving and Irving's like, oh, my my number one. Uh, like he's he's very thankful for all the 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 nine core lumen principles, which he's asked to name which his favorite is. And I think it's uh, I forget what he said. It's like uh, cheer or something like that. Um, very just innocuous type of thing which i think gratitude is another one of the core the core uh principles for lumen uh let me see if i have that um the yeah, core principles cheer and gratitude are the two they didn't specifically say gratitude was but it seems like based on some things that uh gratitude is brought up multiple times in this in this thing and is mentioned also after so Irving passes the ball to to Helly. She doesn't know. Uh, Milchik gets it. Milchik passes it to Mark. Mark is like says the same thing that he said last week. Milchik calls him out on it, and then Mark confesses to breaking protocol from removing the pictures from the desks uh, when he wasn't supposed to. Irving brought this up. Irving his character clearly a stickler for the rules he even printed out the rule uh, the page of the rule book that says you're not supposed to remove the pictures from the desks until a new picture is replaced like everything is very corporate written down pre-prescribed rules 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 and mark uh admits to this thing and milchik to throw it back in mark's face while also introducing the fact that there was uh, another person that had worked there that, that left before Petey, uh, telling Mark that why didn't you have the same type of sympathy uh, when Carol D left? So there is another question. Who is Carol D? Why did she leave? Uh, the differences between Carol and Petey is that Petey just disappeared, whereas Carol had a video uh, that was shown to everybody uh, with her saying thank you as she left. So there was some closure, at least, with Carol uh, being the big difference between those two. And that is where we are told from Milchik that everybody should be like, uh, you know, Mark says that he, because Pete disappeared, it's like we don't know what happened to Pete. He could be drunk on a beach somewhere. Or he could be dead. We don't know. And Milchik's like, well... What we do know is that he didn't die here. Nobody dies when they're here, and we should all be grateful for that, which is just another instance where they bring up gratitude. Uh, and then it is party time with the melons, and they take a group picture. Heli, again, trying, not believing the fact that there's any kind of code detectors, writes down something on a piece of paper and starts running to the elevator, she wants to quit. She wants to get out. 
and as soon as she gets in the elevator, sirens go off, and we're introduced to another character, one we heard of in the last episode. Mr. Grainer shows up uh, to pull Heli out of the elevator. Thankfully, Mark is there and takes the heat for Heli, uh, blaming the situation on himself that he didn't properly train her that he's new to training people and that he you know didn't clearly state which he did so he's taken the the fall for it uh probably knowing what's going to happen what kind of punishments await uh because mr grainer takes mark uh to the break room which is our first introduction to the quote-unquote break room uh, where Mark goes in the break room and it's just a long, dark hallway. At the end of the hallway, the door opens and it's Miss Cobell. So we don't know yet what happens in the break room, but it is dark, it is ominous, it is clearly the place where punishment uh, takes place. And uh, sadly, named the break room. Probably not a break as in uh, a rest room, like a, a room at which you rest and take a break from your work. Uh, possibly a different use of the word break. Um, so cut to now Mark is on a date with somebody who is a midwife. His sister is having a baby, so she thinks that maybe he's interviewing her for a job while they're on this date. Uh, she mentions that half of the town is part of Lumen, so Clearly, we saw the parking lot in the previous episode full of cars. Uh, that is because half of the town is there. Uh, they leave the, their date, and Mark had been drinking throughout the date. He is drunk. He sees these people protesting, handing out flyers. They are part of the Whole Mind Collective. So not only are there congressional problems that Lumen is facing, most likely because of the severance thing, but there are people out in the streets protesting. There is a group called the uh, Whole Mind Collective uh, that is protesting and handing out flyers, and Mark gets in an argument with them, uh, clearly. I mean, Mark is damaged on, his on the outside. His Audi is damaged, dealing with the loss of his wife. Instead of going to therapy, instead of dealing with that and getting help, he's running away from that. He's running away and uh, hiding in severance and uh, thinking that that's going to help him out. So probably adding to the drinking that Mark is doing, adding to his mood, and attacking people because it is the one thing that is allowing him to escape from the pain is going into work. Uh, then cut to Mark now at home. Soon as he gets home, opens up the fridge, cracks open a beer. Uh, there's a knock on the door. He's about to look at that letter that, that uh, Petey gave him uh, when there's a knock at the door, and it is neighbor Selvig, and she brought him some cookies. She's experimenting with a new recipe using chamomile, obviously. Previous episode, she's very concerned with Mark getting his proper sleep. Chamomile, an herb, an herbal tea, generally drinking as a tea, but I would imagine eating it has the same effects. Uh, is generally used at nighttime to help you relax. Um, so she brings him some chamomile tea uh, as an apology for confusing the bins, the recycle and trash bins. And then she has another, like any time Cobell slash uh, Selvig speaks, 
it's like in a riddle. And she has, she says another thing about her husband, her late husband, which who knows how true that is. Uh, but she has this thing about her, her husband. My late husband was a carpenter. And before he passed, he said he would start building us a house in the hereafter. And there would be a small guest apartment in the back in case I found a new man before I got there. So sweet. <laughs> yes. He even drew blueprints, which I keep in my purse. So it's interesting. You know, she's, uh, she's got the blueprints in her purse. Like, is that even true? What does that really even mean? That in the afterlife, her husband is prepared in the event that she has, she meets somebody else? Is she, like, low-key hitting on Mark in a way? Like, is Mark this person that she's... I doubt it, but what does that mean? It's like a very... The previous statements she had made a lot more sense with basically telling Mark that severance is hell created by man and the other thing being about make sure you get your sleep which again is is a very important thing for her bringing him the chamomile tea but this whole thing with the house and the spare apartment for somebody else like is her husband her late husband living in the apartment is she living in the apartment with her new man I don't know, but very interesting. So I had to make sure to clip that audio. Uh, she also mentioned when she came in that about he has like a hallway lights and two of the three lights are working. One of them is out. Uh, so after she leaves, uh, Mark goes into the basement to go find a replacement light bulb and comes across a plastic storage bin labeled Gemma's Crafts, which I assume is his late wife. Um, and out of that, he pulls a candle out. Uh, so his wife used to, in addition to being a teacher of Russian literature, also did crafting. And one of the crafts were candles. Maybe she enjoyed making candles as a hobby. So he comes across that and uh, ends up just going back to the TV, falling asleep in front of the TV uh, as, you know, it, it's sad. He's living a sad life, definitely, uh, outside of work, but just in general. Hiding from his problems is not helping. Join Inspired Disorder Plus today. Head on over to inspireddisorder.com slash plus to join. Membership includes members-only discounts and deals get access to the ray taylor show completely ad free as well as bonus episodes you get access to the complete live painting archive you also get access to every single podcast ever produced by inspired disorder hosted by ray taylor you get access to ray taylor's personal blog as well as the opportunity to ask me any questions so if you want to start a podcast you're into art ask me anything and so many more things are being added every day to Inspire Disorder+. 
plus. So sign up today, become a member, head on over to inspireddisorder.com slash plus and become an Inspired Disorder Plus member today. Uh, so the next morning, wakes up and instead of going to work, he decides to call in. He sees the flyer in his pocket of the whole mind collective that they gave him this flyer. And he decides to go inside, grab the letter that Petey gave him, and on the drive to the address that's on that card, he calls in. Milchick answers. Um, Mark gives him his full name and his number, number 4502. And then Milchick responds like, oh, now I know who you are. Which it seems, I mean, it's a very small department. Who knows how much Milchick is actually in charge of? It seems like he is specifically in charge of the data refinement crew. Uh, but he might be overseeing other departments. It doesn't seem like that, though. Uh, so Mark calls in six as he has a stomach problem. Meanwhile, he's driving to this address. Cut back to now uh, Irv inside Severance, inside data refinement. Uh, Irving's concerned uh, because Mark didn't show up. He's telling Dylan his concerns and saying that uh, he hopes that Mark comes back because he doesn't want to be in charge of the department. Um, and then Dylan, obviously, because of his incentives that he's collected, uh, kind of laughs at the fact that they would promote Irving instead of him. Uh, and Dylan's like, you know, it's either he's sick or fired. E either way, we don't know. Uh, so whatever. And he's there working with Heli. Um, and he mentions that Mark did a stint in the break room yesterday, which just the term stint in a break room. You really only use that, uh, when talking about prison. So it's clear that the, it's not a good place. This break room. Cut back to the office, Cobell's office. Milchick and Grainer are in the office. He's telling uh, Cobell about Mark calling in sick, and they're trying to figure out if it's legitimate or not. Cut back to Mark uh, showing up to the address, 449 Half Loop Road, which is just these abandoned, weathered greenhouses. Now back inside, Dylan is again going over the incentives with Heli, talking about how, you know, the erasers are just for show and how dangerous the, the finger traps can be if you're not careful. Uh, they also mention uh, this thing called, they call Mark's freshman fluke when talking about, you know, productivity and things and it seems like I would imagine that when Mark first started maybe he overperformed and did a lot of things maybe that is why he has that that uh, little glass portrait of himself that rotates on his desk that could have been attributed to the freshman fluke um, but that is something brought up while he's telling Helly about the incentives and just kind of their productivity. Meanwhile, we see Irving starting to doze off. And as he dozes off, he starts hallucinating this black, it looks like oil that kind of like running down 
the partitions running onto the keyboard. And then he wakes himself up, jolts himself awake, and Milchik is standing there. Milchik caught him and takes Irving with him. Cut back to Mark kind of exploring these these greenhouses. He sees where uh, something, a little stove is set up in a thing. He sees that this is where Petey is like camping out. This is where he's living inside these abandoned greenhouses. Cut back to Milchik walking Irving down the hallway, telling Irving that he's going, his Audi is going to be deducted. Uh, the amount of time that he spent dozing off, that time will be deducted from his Audi's paycheck. Very harsh. And then instead of taking Irving to the break room, he's taking him to the wellness center, the wellness check with Miss Casey we don't know yet, we haven't seen yet. Cut back to Dylan uh, working aside from Heli, uh, telling him, telling Heli his theories, which I love Dylan. His like, he's got an imagination, his like, his passion for these, these incentives is really funny, uh, but also, the theories that because nobody knows what these numbers they don't know what they're actually doing there which is just adds to the hell like you can't even have the the feeling of accomplishment really aside from your incentives there's no real feeling of accomplishment because you don't there's nothing to see you don't know what you're doing but they have these interesting theories oh god a four don't fuck around I told you, you'll understand when you see it, so just be patient. What even are these numbers? Like, do we even know what we're supposedly cleaning? My theory? The sea. The sea? Yeah, think about it. Okay, if our Audis are up there severing their brains, shit must have gotten pretty bad. Famine, plagues, etc. So what is a desperate humanity to do? Populate the sea? Populate the sea. But first, they gotta send probes down to the sea to clean up all the deadly eels and shit because we can't cohabitate with that. So we send the probes down, they send us the data coded, we sense what's eels, and then we tell the probes what to blow up. This is the leading theory? Now, Irv thinks we're cutting swear words out of movies. So whether it is to eliminate the eels from the ocean to, for humans to repopulate or removing the swear words, we don't know. But interesting theories nonetheless. My theory is that this is all some kind of experiment, some kind of training, some kind of proof of concept for Lumen. Like, they're all not doing anything. It feels like this is a program Lumen is doing to create and refine their program that they want to expand. And that expansion is where they're coming up with uh, being confronted with things with the congressional hearings and things like that. That'd be my theory on what's happening. Uh, cut back to now. 
Mark talking to Petey. Petey not really having any answers, doesn't really know what's going on. Obviously, the people inside clearly have different theories of what they do inside there. Petey doesn't really know. Uh, but it's been two weeks since the, the reintegration. Uh, and since then, he's been trying to redraw the map of the floor plans from inside Lumen. Uh, and he has, we see that there's, a, that he's sick, that he has problems, he's like severe migraine type issues uh, that he calls reintegration sickness, which is new to Mark, but obviously the reintegration is in general something that is, is probably not supposed to happen. After we saw when Heli got the transplant and those little barbs show up, it's, it's clear there's probably some brain damage happened whenever they took that thing out of Petey's brain. Um, and he's having some side effects to that. Uh, and Petey plays a tape, plays a cassette tape for Mark. And, and this tape is what happens in the break room, which obviously Mark's Audi has no idea. Mark's Innie just recently experienced that, uh, taking the fall for Heli. And on the tape, it's basically them repeating things until the person that is there with them is satisfied that they actually believe the things that they're saying. So they are saying a thing, and they're saying that thing as many times as it takes for the person that is there with them. In Mark's case, it was Cobell, so it would have been Mark saying things until Cobell was satisfied that he actually believed the things he was saying. So kind of a brainwashing type of situation going on in the break room. And this tape, which how did, how did Petey get the tape? Big question. How did he get it out? Obviously, we know written things can't be taken out, so maybe the cassette tape is, is a, a way, a loophole, which Heli is determined to find some kind of loophole for her to communicate with her Audi. Cut back to Irving uh, at the wellness in, like, the lobby area. There's, like, little placards on the wall inside this lobby of, like, motivational statements. And each motivational statement is quoted as being said by Egan, which is another addition to the whole cult type of a thing. Uh, let me see. What, what are the, the wellness? Um... Do I have it written down here? Uh, yeah, quotes on the wall. Let no weakness live in your veins. Tame thy tempers were the two that you could read in the background while Irving is in the waiting room. Uh, in the, while he's waiting, he sees uh, another guy come out. We see another person from another department from the design and optics department, optics and design department, we have Bert, played by Christopher Walken, uh, and they are both, Irving is looking at this painting that is hanging on the wall. Irving, we or Bert, we find out, uh, as part of his duties in optics and design, is to uh, hang these paintings and move them around the facility. Uh, they also design like tote bags and thing, other things that are part of the company. Part of a very small department. There's only two people in this department. 
of optics and design, but you can see that uh, Irving hits it off with Bert. Uh, Bert just coming out of this wellness thing, so who knows what, what he did to, to be put in there. But we get to see a new character. Uh, then Irving is brought in. We get to see Miss Casey. She brings uh, Irving in. It is very much, the way she speaks is very much like a guided meditation type of a soothing type of a voice. And she, there's a tree inside this room. There's uh, birds chirping, audio of birds chirping. There's Lumen branded aromatherapy going on. Uh, and Miss Casey in the soft, soothing voice. Uh, she tells Irving that she's going to be reading attributes of her of his Audi, and that he's not supposed to acknowledge or react in any way more so to one of these attributes than another. He's just supposed to input it. And there's a few of the attributes, which are cr these attributes are crazy, uh, but there's a few of the attributes that Irving reacts to. And we find out that they start a wellness check with 100 points. And each time they react, they lose 10 points, uh, which is a w another, like, if you were to corporatize meditation in some way or wellness, this is how they would do it. Uh, and some of the things that she reads, uh, your Audi is generous, your Audi is fond of music, your Audi is fond of children, the elderly, and the insane. Your Audi is strong and can lift heavy objects. Your Audi attends many dances and is popular. Your Audi likes films and owns a machine that plays them. Your Audi swims well. And this he reacts to that, loses 10 points. Uh, your Audi won a game and has a trophy, trophy two weeks ago. Your, your Audi values water. Your Audi has a picture in a newspaper with his trophy. Your Audi has no fear of muggers or knaves. Your Audi likes the sound of radar. Your Audi is skilled at kissing and lovemaking, and he reacts to that as well, loses another point, another 10 points, and she says if you, if you make another sound, then you're going to lose all this and you're going to go to the break room, which is kind of brutal. Like, you can't even react to these wacky things that your Audi is supposedly good at. Clearly all made up stuff. Just designed to, like, make you feel good. Like, make you want to not mess up for your Audi on the outside. You know, don't doze off because you're going to get deducted. Your pay is going to be deducted, and you're going to be... You're going to be messing with this person that's so amazing on the outside. Cut back to Heli. Still determined to pass a note. Still coming up with new ideas. Irving gets back and is refreshed. Irving mentions that he ran into Bert, met Bert, and Dylan hates Bert. Dylan hates Bert. Dylan hates everybody that's not part of their department and right then Helly's like oh she finally sees she gets an emotional response and there's these numbers so Irving and and Burke go over or no Irving and Dylan go go over to her and and show her how to properly select it 
and put it in the bin. And that is how this episode ends. So in this episode, we're introduced to new characters, Bert, Mrs. Casey. We see Mr. Grainer for the first time. We see what the wellness check is, kind of like a meditation type of a thing. Kind of like more positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement, which it seems like that's what uh, the break room involves. Uh, we have Petey on the outside who's like, used to have a map of the floor plan of everything because everything's so spread out inside Lumen. Um, so he's trying to bring that together. We also see uh, later, that's not how it ends actually, because later we cut back to Mark uh, is setting up the basement for Petey to stay. He's going to stay in the basement instead of the um, greenhouse. And as Petey is washing up, going to take a shower, he starts having flashbacks uh, of being inside Lumen. And that's how the episode ends, with Petey having these flashbacks, kind of collapsing in the shower, and uh, realizing that he's still dealing with his memories reintegrating, as it were. So that's how the episode ends. Um, so now... Audi Mark is starting to team up with Petey. Uh, let's see, was there anything else that I missed uh, as far as like new revelations? Uh, there's nine core lumen principles, two of which are cheer, and the other one I would imagine is gratitude. Um, half of the town works at lumen. We got the five tier incentives. We know Mr. Egan is kind of like this leader kind of cult leader who supposedly eats three raw eggs and milk every morning. Uh, his portrait must be acknowledged every morning. How many departments are there? What is Mark's freshman fluke? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh, who who is Carol D, former co-worker, and she was able to film herself on exit versus Petey, who wasn't. But yeah, that's it. Until next week, new episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.